Welcome everybody to the first edition of season two of the OnlyFans football podcast. Um, a bit of a pre-season special yeah. um, for us today, Cran. We had Aaron Malloy on, someone who we've talked about coming on for a long time. I don't want to spoil anything on anybody, but we are going to try our very best to take things to a new level. And there's a lot of things involved in that. And one of the first major steps we both feel is getting a guest on. And I think it was it was great to start with Aaron, somebody we know. And you went to school with. Went to school with, which yeah. is mad when you think about it, considering he's living in Memphis. Walking in Memphis. <laughs> um, Do yeah. you really feel the way you feel? <laughs> I, I'd say he doesn't feel how you feel. <laughs> um, but yes, it was, a, it was a great chat with Aaron. We talked we talked about his time in the League of Ireland. We talked about his time currently in America, in the USL, playing for Memphis 901. He had a bit of a tough time um, during COVID in Portland, and we, we do chat about that. And he has a great story, Cran, about Phil Neville, of all people, um, while playing for forward Madison. So yeah, we really, really, really appreciate Aaron coming on and giving us the kick up the arse for preseason, Cran. Enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah. Take it easy. we go. Uh, yeah. It's not looking good, Bev. It's a very erotic voice, by the way. Fuck you, Deputy Stike. Sorry. Fuck hey. you. Hey. There've been years around here waffling. Where'd you get these two guys from? <laughs> Give me a lip to the last. Did you support Arsenal before the brain injury? You're an absolute disgrace. You're a cheat. I hope Brian get rid of it. Don't you? If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. And sometimes may be good, sometimes may be shit. The fucking bass is fucking rough! Welcome everybody to the OnlyFans Football Podcast episode dash. We're in the middle of the season. It's a pre-season episode, I call mm. it. It's getting us ready for the big season, uh, Cran, the big kickoff. It's only around the corner now, actually, which feels yeah. a bit weird because we literally only finished with Champions League there. Or, you know, obviously, this is our first episode of the season. And as a nice little surprise, we have a guest on with us today, of course. Delighted we joined all the way from across in Memphis. Well, USL Irish defensive midfielder Aaron Malloy. Aaron, how, first of all, how are you getting on? And thanks for coming on, of course. <laughs> no, no, thank you, lads, for having me on. Very grateful. Um, no, no, doing great. So I have my day off today. So you're allowed to cut me on a good time. But yeah, no, happy to be on the podcast. Yeah, as we, as we said just before we kicked off, it's a bit of a force for us. So we are really excited. I suppose a bit nervous as well, but not too nervous because we, we've known you for. I don't, get nervous. I don't get nervous. I don't get nervous. But um, yeah, we're really, we're really grateful to have you on the show. Um, you're living the American dream, Aaron. I think it's fair to say for a lot of people. Um, and we will get into that as the podcast rolls on. But I suppose taking back to when you were younger, obviously, I know yourself from the flats growing up. Um, myself and Dave, you're obviously you're in, I think, play school with Dave as well. So you're really good friends with him growing up. Um, obviously, I, I take it footballer was obviously what you always wanted to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, thought you'd be able to tell you this, like, but ever since we've grown up, everyone just played football. Everybody, uh, especially in Doors S Street, there was a football pitch there, so there was no excuse. It was a uh, morning, morning, day, night time, everything just just football. Um, and obviously, my dad played for a little bit as well, so that was a. Uh, engraved into me growing up yeah Trevor of course he was um, a bit of a league world legend it's fair to say because <laughs> he moved around to all different clubs I'm sure you know yourself better than we do but yourself before you went to the States it was in Ireland where you kind of honed your craft before you got over to America and I, I vividly remember you playing out in Crumlin I think you played for Crumlin for a while I've, I did yeah yeah um, I know for a fact you played for Bowles on the 19s, you were there for a long time. Um, and obviously dropped it as well. I think you had force division experience with them. So I suppose a little bit about Bowles, first of all, because obviously look at Bowles now are 
one of the top teams again in the country, so it's probably mm. very topical to speak about. And as we're recording today, Dawson the Voice has just made the switch to MK Dons, which is it's a big thing for him. But um, mm. yeah, a bit about your time in Bowes. Yeah, no, I think uh, first of all, how how I got the Bowes was I was playing with Crumlin, uh, U seventeens, and I think we went the whole league unbeaten. Obviously, we didn't win any of the cups. We won the league that year. And uh, Owen Harry was the manager of Bowes Force team at the time. And uh, the U19s, uh, Bowes didn't have a great year prior. So Owen Harry came to a lot of our games. I think they, they may have trained out there. I don't know. But yeah, he came to a lot of the, the, the games. And then once the season ended, he, he met up with all of us um, as a group and said, listen, I don't want to just take four, five, six. He's going to take the whole team. So the whole team was went and, and signed for Bowes 19. So a few lads went different places, but we all wanted to stick together. Um, and lucky enough, we won the league then again that that that, that following year with Bowes U19s. But yeah, Robbie Horgan was the coach, Ray Scully, assistant coach, Kane McKenna, assistant coach. Um, absolutely brilliant. Bowes, my local club. Um, been to all the games growing up as a kid. Um, so yeah, and I was I was very, very proud to put on that jersey. I think I was captain my first year as well. Um and that was just from 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 working hard in preseason. Um, obviously a whole new team there, so it wasn't it wasn't um, like you were bringing in the back any any experienced lads. Um, but yeah, and I went to Bowes. I think I spent two years there, and I had another I had another season left. So I went there when I was seventeen. Had another year left, and we won the league one year, made playoffs the year after, and and um, there was a change of management, and and there was an opportunity for me to move up. So. I was uh, I was hemming and hawing whether whether to stay or not, but I knew by nine months later I knew I wanted to go to America. So do I do I take this jump and have pro experience up with Drotter or do I stay with Bowes? And um, I was I, I talked a little bit with Keith Long and um, but most importantly Pete Mann, who was the manager of Drotter, was able to to get me up there and and haven't looked back. And yeah, I played I think I played fourteen fifteen games and. Um, scored two goals, done really well. Learned learned an awful lot there. But um, yeah, P man, P man was a great coach and really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, you were player of the year for Bowes, I believe, on the nineteens in I think your second season there. And yeah, which I vaguely remember because obviously, like people who listen to show now, I sport shells. And one of the things I used to like when we were coming home from school on the one two two. Was it'd be the only one that would be able to talk about League of Ireland football? Um, <laughs> and I remember you were playing for Drada, and I think it was myself, yourself, and I think it was Rob Manley. No, Rob Manley's with um, yeah, no, Rob really well to Galway now, I think, but he did. Rob was with us, and I remember we were chatting away about the League of Ireland. And I think Shell was one of the Fridays we were coming home, you were coming back from the course, and I was coming back from school. I think Shells were playing Drada that night now. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember the scoreline. I'll be dead serious with Johnny. I do. I do. <laughs> of course. I do. <laughs> what, I, what I do remember is after the game, um, obviously, like we've known each other for a long time. It was myself, and my dad were leaving the stadium, and Dave as well. And we we're actually driving past Tolka, and it was yourself and your mum there. And I think, I think, I think, these could have given me a lift home. I don't know, but we definitely stood there for a while chatting about the game. So you yeah. say you remember the game? Did you just win? <laughs> I, so I thought that was one at home. I think we won the game at home one nil, and then we lost two one to, to the one at Shells at, at Talca. Mm-hmm. I think we lost that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now I do. I remember. I remember very well. I think. I think Sean Brennan scored a free kick for us that game. Um, what a player! But he yeah, is, I, I, used, I used to love playing against. Shells. It was funny playing against Shells. You know, like growing up, I played. My dad played League of Ireland. He'd get absolute dogs abuse and. And he'd be like, I just never really understood it. And I played against, I played against Shells, and that was the only League of Ireland team that gave me dogs abuse. And the thing is, I knew, I knew a handful of the lads. Like I used to go out to the living room and play, and and I think uh, what was Lafayette? I think that was another spot yeah. I used to go out, go out to. And I'd see all these lads, and they'd be wanting to buy me a drink, and we'd be chatting away with them, chatting about ball, chatting about life. And then on a Friday night, you'd be like, well, I'll kill you. No, no, of course on this, but like. Throwing, throwing two euro coins and all like I'm like it's fucking mad like two, tomorrow night you'd be wanting to fucking chat with me for for an hour I can't get rid of you like and I mm. know uh, but that's 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 what that's the good thing about football though like people people get very passionate about it but 
yeah, they were they were, they were the only team. The only Charles was the only team that I was there. Uh, got a bit of grief from. Yeah, I remember. I remember you getting a bit of grief, and my dad at night and Dave as well. Obviously, I think we told everyone that we seen. You were captain of Drottle as well. I think I'm pretty sure you were. Were you captain? No, I wasn't. I oh. wasn't. No, that was me, that was my first year. I think I was only 18, 19 at the time. I think Sean Cavanagh and Sean Brennan. Um, were both other centre midfielders that was that was they were captains. Um, but no, I wasn't. I, I was. I think I was a vital part in that team that year. Like I tell you a story. Like I went into preseason, and I I thought it was just going to be another number. It was me, Sean Brennan, Sean Cavanagh, and Jay Coyland, four midfielders for three spots, one six and two eights. And I went in and I absolutely smashed the fitness test. Like number complete. Like not being a player, but I I I was the last out. Like. And they all wanted to be the eight. And to be fair, I probably wasn't eight at the time, box to box midfielder. But I'm like, well, if there's no competition as the six, I'll 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 I'll, I'll go there. Like so yeah, I played as a defensive midfielder and just just played, had a simple game, like just done everything simple. Um and then them three lads battled it out for them two spots. And I I played 13, 14 out of 15 possible games that year and then I moved to America but then the lads were able to get promoted but yeah we, know we, had, a, we had a very very good team that year mm, I just remember the game because as I was saying my dad and Dave the whole game anyone that would listen to them would be like oh we know we know the, the six <laughs> off <Yeah. laughs> the whole game and obviously thankfully we won in the end but uh, yeah that was that was a bit of a that was a bit of a model um, mm-hmm. but yeah we'll, will we talk about the, the move to America do you want to yeah. start up the American dream, baby. American dream. Um, so you started off your your move to the states at Kaiser <laughs> in West Palm Beach, Florida. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Got that right. So, uh, how did you find the transition to the states, like as opposed to life here? Like, what was the toughest part about your transition yeah. over there? And like, I think how did you I find think the initial. Different? Yeah, I think I think I think the initial part was was a little bit difficult. Obviously, I was the Mammy's boy growing up, she done she done everything for me, made me bed, made me breakfast, <laughs> dinner, the whole lot, cooked, cleaned for me. Um, but that that part I, I found a little bit difficult, but obviously it was something that I needed to do to grow up, you know. Um, but lucky for me, there was there was two Irish lads, a couple of English lads there that had been in the States for two, three years prior. Right. Um so I was I was living with them, hanging out with them. Um so what for me, like I wasn't secluded, I, I was always involved in things and Obviously, I was playing football. That, that that made me the happiest. So, um, I can see how we can how we can put a downer on people when they first move over when they get homesick. But I didn't really get badly homesick. Me ma came over. My sister came over um, each semester. So it was it was brilliant to see them. Um, but the yeah, not a transition. Homesick was it? <laughs> no, no, no. I was packing on the two two three shades of sunscreen on every morning, bathing in the thing. Uh, <laughs> No, but yeah, no, West Palm Beach was an unbelievable. So, and Andy had a great Irish community too, as well. Uh, the assistant gaffer was 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 Irish, and he was the person who got me over. Like, I still keep in contact with him, like once a week still. It's six, seven years now. Um, but yeah, no, like I'm very grateful for me for sure in 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 West Palm Beach, and that that made the, the transition a lot easier because when I went to Penn State, then there was no Irish, so then I was with all these new people, players. Um, new school, new everything, um, and because I had that year behind me, that made it that transition uh, a, a lot easier, you know. I suppose talk about how you got over there. So you're playing in Drogheda, and you're doing the course in uh, ETB, wasn't it? So it is. Um, yeah, yeah, open cover. Yeah, open cover. Because I remember you getting the bus home every Friday. What what was that like? And obviously, you talked about the transition there. Was it? Obviously, the American moving to America was obviously the bit the main plan. But how did you get from the ETB course to America? Like, how how did that transition happen? Um, so I think it was twenty fifteen. I had I had this like inkling that I wanted to go over. You know, I was I was looking up YouTube. I was looking up different schools. I was just like just getting an idea of it. Um, and then I got into the FOSS course, and FOSS course was absolutely brilliant with me. Like they. They really, really helped me get over, like, um, chatting away to, to Harry McHugh, who, who ran it at the time. And I'm like, have you any connections over in the States? It's something that I'm, like, really into. Like, I'm not just just asking, but I think I'd, I'd, I want to give it a go. And he put me in contact with a few lads and Alan McCann, 
who was in the course a few years before me um, was the assistant coach over there. So he brought him over, watched me train, watched me play. Um, and then he brought other skills over. But it's not just like, yeah, the skills interesting when you go over. I had to, have to do an SAT. It's like a four-hour exam. So I was brutal at, at maths, English. I was just brutal in school all the general, all, all in general. Like, um, so I had to get groins for that. Um, passed anyway. I almost got kicked out of the exam, but got passed anyway. <laughs> and uh, and then everything went well from there. And then I went over in July. School started at the end of August. Preseason started start of August. So yeah, no everything. Everything went well through the through the first course. A lot of connections through there. Yeah. So, as you said yourself, you played for the Kaiser Seahawks in Florida, and I've written here you had fifteen appearances and four goals, which isn't bad for a defensive midfielder. To be fair, yeah, I've done all right. Yeah. Um. It was then you you got headhunted, wasn't it, by Penn State? Um. Yeah. Yeah. And you made the move to Penn State, and like I'm not quite sure Penn State's in Pennsylvania, isn't it? So. It I'm is. not quite sure what the weather is like in, compared from Pennsylvania <laughs> to Florida, but I'd imagine it's 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 quite different than, like you said about the transition. What well, was that something when you know you went from you went from Kaiser and with the Irish lads and the English lads and you're mixed with them and you know to kind of just try yourself into Pennsylvania to go to a new university, and like you said, you know you'd struggled with maths and English and stuff like that, and you know. You get headhunted, as we said. So, what is that transition like? You know, academically and obviously like playing football. What? How did that feel at the time? And if at the time, could you kind of see yourself still being in America? You know, all these years later. Yeah, and I, I think it's a different monster from Kaiser. I think Kaiser, we I think we may have had 800, 800 students. You go to Penn State, it's fifty thousand students. Wow. Um, it's a, it's its own little um little world, like you know, like. I, was in a, I think I was taking a, 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 what was it called? Science, some science behavior class. And there was, there was 900 students in the whole class. So Monday, Wednesday, you got a class of 900 students and you get broken into groups then on Friday. Um, but yeah, that was, it was just mad to me. But like, no, the lads took to me well. Like I was enjoying my football. I knew like from Kaiser, if I wanted to be a professional, I wanted, if I wanted to go to the draft around, it was bit, would have been near impossible. Not impossible, near impossible. So I needed to go to a big school. So, Alan, who brought me over, basically got me in contact with all these skills and they came and watched me play. And then I narrowed it down to Penn State and um, they weren't the best program in the world, like where they finished, but the facilities they had there were second to none, like really, really good, like unbelievable stuff. And then I remember saying to myself, like it's almost impossible not to get better um, here using these facilities, the stadium. We had nutritionists, full-time gym instructors, all uh, are at disposal whenever we wanted like so I knew that every day I, I'd, I'd take advantage of all that stuff um yeah and absolutely loved it and then got became really really good friends with, with a lot of the lads there that I still uh, stay in contact and and all that type of stuff and and uh, met me fiance there as well so uh, Congrats. <laughs> yeah and I appreciate it so yeah no happy man yeah definitely um so I just, I just have written here, sorry, Karen. Yeah. I have written here about Penn State, Nittany Lions, correct me if I'm, if I'm saying that wrong, and obviously your time at Redden United. You don't mind me asking, what, what's the difference between these two teams? I know with Redden United, it's the Philadelphia Union's premier developmental league affiliate. So what's, yeah. that, what's the difference between, you know, Penn State and Redden? Like what, what's the difference there between those two? So obviously Penn State's a school and, and you play um, like 20 games during the fall season. So it'll be August to, to November. And then you get, you get two, three months off um, in the summer. Every college student does. So this, it, was, it's, it was called PDL at the time, Player Development League. Now it's called USL League 2. So what they do is all these aspiring pros or lads in college that want to be professional, they go into this pro environment where teams will create teams for the summer and compete. And Reading was the number one team at the time for years. Um, and Stephen Hogan was the manager there. He was another Irish lad. Um, so he brought me in. And when you play with Reading, you just get all eyes drawn to you from all pro teams, you know. Um, so I played in that for, for two, three summers and um, was, was pretty successful there. Won the league a couple of years, um, done really well. And, and then that kind of got me, got me ready then going into the, 
the Penn State season in the fall. Yeah, I just I have written here which I tell you with, with Penn State it was 50 games and 14 goals in what would have been now USL League Two. And then for Redden itself, it was it was 26 goals and or 26 games and 12 goals. And like you said, there you done very well. You got the PDL young player here in 2017. So it kind of mm-hmm. your potential's always been there, I think. And for you, I feel like just looking at your career, it's constantly your career so far. You've constantly moved up. Now I know there's been roadblocks, and we'll get onto it. But anyway. <laughs> sorry, bit of hate over there. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's uh, terribly hot. I know. I just looked at there. I thought I didn't know what was wrong. Are you okay? Hate over <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's also saying you know we know you had the roadblocks. So your time with Redden, you know, kind of comes to an end, and it was the MLS combine you got invited to. And again, I have another little anecdote to tell after I ask this, but you go to the MLS Super Draft in 2020, you're the 16th pick, um, which is like, that's amazing. And one of the things I noted when I was doing research on this, I remember looking at, at the draft itself, but one of the things it said was, if you're American or Canadian, you would have been... And it's a top five pick. And I can see you smiling there. And I'm glad you're smiling because I didn't want to touch a nerve. But what, why, why, I suppose, is the question I have. Now, each, each team has a certain amount of internationals they can use each year. I think it's seven, maybe, maybe eight internationals. And you can tell when, like, just right now with LAFC, they bring over two, three internationals. They have Chiellini taking up an international spot. Mm. Um, Gareth Bale taking up an international spot. So they're not going to use... An international spot on on some college kids. So that that rules be... out. That go, That trickles down. And that rules out. Yeah. So, so that yeah. rules out like an international coming out from college. So okay. Um, for me, it was always going to be a, a like a hard battle to get a contract in MLS as as yeah. an international. So, um, but yeah, no. There's, there's some teams you can go to. There's some teams you, you that you don't want to really get drafted by. That you just kind of trickle down to the second team. Um. But yeah, no, it, it, I'm very grateful for Portland and the opportunity they gave me. But um, I'm just glad where where I'm at right now. So now it is what it is. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the beauty of life is these things, you know, happen for a reason. And you know, we might not know the reason at the time. As we said about Portland Timbers too, you get the draft, 16th pick. You know, looking at your your kind of stats, there was 15 appearances, and one goal. Um, in the USL Championship, which is which is where you find yourself now. Um, but as all this is, is going on, the world's hit by a pandemic. And, mm-hmm. you know, what happens to the 16th draft pick, you know, international player for Portland Timbers too then? You know, it's, it's a situation that I don't think anyone could have imagined themselves find themselves in. So how did, how did that feel and how did you kind of react to it? Yeah, no, it was definitely hard. I think the biggest reason why I ended up signing with Portland Timbers 2 was a part of the deal was I was able to train with the force team every day. And that's ultimately what I wanted. I was like, if you're not going to sign me, I want to train with, with the force team. That's how I'm going to get better every day. And I'm, I'm in the eyes of the, the coaches that make the decisions, you know, um, COVID here. And then whatever way I worked out is uh, unless you're under contract, you can only train with whatever team you're with. So we actually... Got, we used to train with the same facility, but now we got separated. We're training 20 minutes away from the facility at uh, like a, the secondary school, high school spot. Um, so that's that's what happened during the pandemic. Yeah, the, the season got shortened and we didn't have a great year at all. I think we may have won two, maybe three games that year. And then my stock got, went from fourth round in the draft to, to no teams wanting to pick me up because we didn't do very well. I didn't have the great year myself. So I end up down at Madison, which is a league under, um, and done done well there. And I now find myself, like you said, back up back up in the championship with with a team that's challenging for the for the league right now. Mm. Yeah, um, and how do you find like all this moving? How did you find was 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 that tough? Like to be moving around so much in the space of a few years? Jordan, yeah, no, to, to different places, like. Yeah, no, definitely. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy the way everything's worked out. I, I've lived in, I think I want to say, like five, six different states in the past six years, but I'll go wherever football will make me happy, you know? So mm-hmm. if that means Madison, Portland, Memphis, um, Penn State, wherever it may be, then 
then it really doesn't bother me going on a pack line and just bring the boots with me and then I'll be happy as Larry. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need, Larry, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think it was a it was a forward Madison where and your ego's probably gonna be strong turn <laughs> I have a lot of your stats written here, but actually just to go back to the draft real quick, I remember when the draft was going on. I think it was in January 2020, hmm. I want to say. Yeah. I remember sitting here with my dad and Dave and my mom. We were sitting. Now, it's a different table now, but at the time, it was a longer table. And we're all glued to my phone watching the draft on Twitter. Obviously, it was live stream on Twitter. And I don't know what it was. It was one of those Joe.e articles. You know what I mean? My dad was reading about you that day. He was like, if he was... American or Canadian, he'd be one of the first picks now. And, and I remember when he got picked, it was as if we were watching football and someone scored. Like we went, yeah. we were all delighted for you. Like, um, as I'm sure, like Jennifer and Ethan were at home, I say they were buzzing for you, and everyone kind of that knows yeah. it. everyone's so proud of you. But moving on then to forward Madison, I think that's where you kind of maybe you found yourself again. If that's, I think that might be fair to say, you know, you had 27 appearances, four goals, you were nominated for the MVP that year stuff like that so tell us about your time in Ford Madison and by the way their kids are lovely their kids are yeah. alright they do well on social media as well yeah like, they do like I remember yeah. when you were at Ford Madison I would, I would see something every every day <laughs> like they're posting regularly Flamingo the match I think yeah. is what they do as well it's, yeah. it's, it's set no, for yeah. their social media presence is, is, is brilliant the jerseys yeah. are great Um, but yeah like I said they were in the tour division I had to take a step back to go two steps up and, and so to speak but I was uh no like you said I found myself again I found myself happy that's all I wanted I just wanted to be playing football and being like enjoy it again and um there was no better place to do that the fans were absolutely amazing um really really talked to me and um, there's a few Irish lads that played there years prior that I spoke to beforehand and they were like yeah the fans are brilliant they're gonna love it there um and I did yeah no absolutely took advantage of everything there really really enjoyed it um and then I actually signed a two-year deal there and I had a little boy clause that I, I I wouldn't have hated if I stayed but I really wanted to move up um and then Memphis they, they pulled the trigger um so back back into the championship and during during your time with, with Ford Madison I remember myself and Dave watched a few of your games I think one of them was against was away to Fort Lauderdale, which I believe is a Miami affiliate. What's it yeah. like playing in those stadiums? I know Carol's going to ask you a question. They have a nice know. airport as well, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell, 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 tell you a funny story that not, you probably nobody would have heard this, but um, the Americans are that, that, that hilarious over here. So obviously I'm playing against Fort Lauderdale and um, Phil Neville's the, the manager of the first team. So we're playing oh, the second yeah. team. And... I went to school in West Palm Beach, which is like 25 minutes away. So I, all my mates are still there. So I think seven, eight, nine, ten of them came to the game. So I got them all tickets and they're all queuing in uh, to get into the game. Uh, showed the, the lady the tickets. And um, as, the, as they're giving the tickets, they're all walking in. Phil Neville walks in behind them, just tries to walk straight straight in. Like like everyone knows who Phil Neville is. Like he's all known all over Europe. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, his younger brother. But the, the lady stopped him and said, excuse me, sir, do you have, do you have like a, a badge or a ticket? He's like, no, I'm, I'm the manager. And then she wouldn't let him in. So Phil Neville's <laughs> fighting with you once saying, I'm, I'm the manager here. She goes, oh, look, I, don't, I, don't, like, I need something to let you in. So the, lads were, the way the lads were explained, I was dying laughing. Like, oh, so he had, to, he had to get a phone, make a call, get one of the people to let him into the stadium. Like... Oh, it, was, it was hilarious. No special treatment. No special treatment. Yeah. For Phil. No special treatment. She, 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 she no, but the thing is, she, she had no idea who he was. Yeah. That's what the funniest thing was. Yeah. Uh, poor, poor Phil. He, he's probably used to it, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll look at, as we said about your time in Fort Lauderdale. Or sorry, not Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> your time in Fort Madison, like, it was your most, uh, well, up to, up to now, it was one of your most fruitful times and, I have these stats here, and it's from a former podcast um, guest you had on, Jamie Segura. Is that how you pronounce his name? Jaime. Jaime Segura. Shout out to him and Thomas Greco as well with these stats. But some of these stats are, are unbelievable, you know, for an offensive midfielder six to play. Like, in, in the stats they had, they compared it to the rest of the USL League one, and then the kind of, 
USA average in general. And you have, so for the accurate passes, it was 88%. The USL one average was 85. And the USA average was 86%. So you're 2% ahead of the, the national average. And then obviously per 90, it was 58 for yourself. USL League One average was 36.7. The USA average was 40. Challenges won, you were 60%. USL One was 51%. The USA average was 52.5%. The ball recoveries per 90 was 5.5 yourself. USL average was 3.8. USA average was 4.4. The lost balls now in half per 90, which when you think about it, it's more crucial than anything because mm-hmm. these are things that like, will lead to mistakes and stuff. You're on 1.04. The USL League one average is 1.19 and the USA average is 1.28. And then expected persists again. Assists per 90 again was 0.78 for yourself. The USL average for your position was 0.10. And then the USA average again for your position was 0.11. Now, when you look at all those stats, I think it's fair to say you are probably, you know, too good for that level. Not too good, maybe not too good, but you're definitely, you definitely were able to jump up the next level and did you feel at the time when you're playing in games and you're going away to the likes of Fort Lauderdale did you feel at the time that you could make the move up I think I always had it in the back of my head where that's where I wanted to be I wasn't trying to have this ego as if that I was better than everyone else that's not it's not the type of person that I am um, still worked hard every single day but I think at the end of the day I always want to move up and if that was if that opportunity arose at the end of the year, I wanted to take it with, with, with both hands and lucky lucky enough it did. Mm. Yeah, we also <clears throat> got these ones as well, distance covered. Um you have versus Richmond here, you had twelve point zero kilometers covered on the sixth of August twenty uh, twenty one. And against New England, thirteen point seven kilometers co- covered on October first, twenty twenty one, and against Greenville. Greenville, uh, 13.25 kilometres, September 25th, 21. So, yeah, Kante-like stats, you could say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think a, a, a good thing about my playing style is is how, how fit I am. I can get around the pitch pretty uh, a lot, really. So, yeah, now I pride myself on, on, on fitness, so I can definitely use that to, to my advantage. Like, Yeah, I've seen, I seen one of your heat maps, and I don't know how, but... It was literally like the whole pitch was covered. Like, I don't know how you kept running the whole time, but I mean, it is what it is. What's Premier League average on the kilometers? I don't know, but yeah. I, I'd imagine there. I imagine those numbers are close enough, and you have to yeah. you have to kind of take into consideration as well. This is playing in the states, so it's obviously going to be yeah, warmer. I know you see, like sometimes they show the stats at the end of the game, and it's like. Mm. It, I think the most would be like 12 or 13 yeah, yeah. I think I, I think it might be lower because them lads yeah. are a lot smarter don't have to run as much I think yeah. I'm, a, I'm not I'm definitely not as good as any Premier League player so I'm definitely having to run a lot more mm. but them lads I think I just they just put themselves in, in smart positions where they might yeah. not have to run as much yeah well I, to be honest with you the, the stats in, in total and as I said it was extraordinary so you're welcome <laughs> But it definitely shows kind of for me in anyways that, that that step up to Memphis 901 in the USL championship it, for me it was on the horizon. Now these stats, I don't know what they're like up to date now, but so far from Memphis 901, I think you've played about 15 or 16 games. Um, um 17, 17, I think. 17, and you're on about I think four goals and about five assists, I think it is. Yeah, you've, you've had a really fruitful season and one of the things I noticed from looking through the goals that you've, you've gotten so far this season is you have a great understanding with, with Graham Smith so you had yeah. two of the assists this season was once against Detroit you whipped it in from a, the right from free kick I think it was and then yeah. it, was, it was a corner against Tulsa as well is, is that something you work on or is it just kind of that natural understanding between yourselves no no again I think I, I pride myself on, on staying back after training and working on my set pieces I think I scored a free kick early early on in the year and then I have five uh, assists that all came from set pieces like so um, no staying back after training once once or twice a week working on working on set pieces and they've um, they've no they've they've shown in the games where if you work hard put the hours in that um, these things will happen so yeah, no, Graham's just always a big lad in the right spot at the right time. He's like 6'4", 
um, monster in the year. So yeah, I just try put it. I don't try find anyone specific. Just try put it in a in a, in a good spot. And uh, lucky enough, he's been there on three occasions. Yeah, I was I was looking at your, your goals earlier this season on the free kick against Oakland was an absolute peach, wasn't it? I think and did it win goal the month in the end? I've no, no, I don't think so. No, I know it was definitely nominated for it, but like you said, yeah, one of your goals again is was against Atlanta, Atlanta number two, which I think is your fourth goal of the season, and the kind of calmness you showed getting into the box for a defensive midfield is very impressive because. You get in and you do just slot it into the bottom corner. And again, I know you're saying you stay after training, but there's, there's no kind of preparation for, for calmness. And it's like when people talk about penalties and stuff, you can't prepare for a scenario like that, really, you know, with the crowd and, you know, with the pressures each game brings. How do, how do you deal with that, with that pressure at times? And I suppose after a loss, you know, you talked about Portland Timbers too, you had a bit of a hard season there. How do you kind of walk yourself back up again to to kind of provide these levels of quality and you know get wins and like after a loss like how how do I how do I handle a loss yeah um no we actually say this in the locker room a lot like if we lose on a Saturday night we we let a hurt just for Saturday Sunday we'll reflect and then Monday it's 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 back on for the following week so it's like a two day process so Saturday night yeah it's gonna not not winning is is, is difficult to take. Um, I think I'm a, I'm a sore loser. I hate hate losing. Um, Sunday I watch the game, reflect on what what I, what I can do better. More, more importantly, um, and then on Monday we're just focused on the next game, um, whether that's the upcoming Wednesday or the following Saturday. So, um, yeah, that's probably the, the process that that I stand by after losing the game. Yeah, so I suppose from Memphis nine at one this season, what's what's kind of the goals you have yourself personally, and then I suppose for the team. Yeah, no, personally, at, at the start of the year, I, I said I'd like to get seven goals, seven assists, and, and almost halfway through that now, like, uh, just past halfway through that. Um, I think making playoffs at the start of the year would have been great, but the position we find ourselves in now is, is, is we're in second place. We play first, first place team at home this Saturday. So mm. win that, we go first place, and, and, and then we're, there's, I think there's, what, 12 games left of the year. And, yeah, no, just we, we got a great bunch of... Great bunch of lads here, great coach and staff. So I think the sky's the limit right now. And who's first in the, the Louisville? Um, Louisville. Which are, they're, they're, yeah, they yeah they've been consistently brilliant. I think the past six seven years they've met. They either, they either won out. I got to the final every single year. Um, so they've been brilliant, and wow. I'm looking forward. to I think their skipper, uh, Noel McCabe, is uh, another Irish lad from yeah, Ringsend. Yeah. yeah, so. Uh, I think he plays. He definitely plays in the middle. So looking forward to playing against him. So it's always. Um, now we're at home. At home, okay. Is it available yeah, yeah, to watch yeah. anywhere? Yeah, yeah. Well, me, my family watch it on YouTube. I don't know how they watch it on YouTube. They just Google Memphis nine one YouTube, and half the games are live on there. But okay. um, we use ESPN Plus over here. It's a five hour month to get to watch all the games and that. So, um, but they they stay up and watch it, which is great. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a big game. We could yeah. very well tune in ourselves this weekend. <laughs> um, and if you were to win this this um this championship, USL championship, that would mean, of course, there's no promotion or relegation system in the US, so that would mean you don't go up, sort of thing. Yeah, it's a bit of a that's shame. true. It, it it is a bit of a shame. Yeah. Look, it's 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 another reason that there's another, that's that's something that the US are actually looking into. Yeah. Um. That they say within the next five to ten years that there'll be a promotion relegation. Um, I think that will help the 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 country grow. Um, because obviously, teams over here that their the goal is just to make playoffs. But when you have goals to not get relegated, or goals to stay up, or goals to actually win, um, there then you just there's more money involved, better players involved. There's, there's things that higher stakes, so it means more. Um, and with all that, then it just it just brings more quality into the league. Yeah. Um, get the Norwich of the MLS down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, Nor- the Norwich on the Fulham just going up and down. Yeah. Um, and I, look, I, I don't want to wish your time away with Memphis 901 just yet. But MLS is clearly an objective of yours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's been a goal since I, ever since I moved over here. And it's, it's something that I'll keep trying to get to as far as long as I play. Um, I do see myself long term staying here in the US. Um, but yeah, and like I'm up once again, like I'm, I'm enjoying my football here in Memphis and 
if the opportunity arises to go uh, again i'll take it with both hands but if it doesn't it doesn't um just continue to work hard and and, and enjoy me football over here yeah absolutely i think you have a few questions about the mls itself yeah um i was just i'm very curious how life is over there in general so yeah because i want to go over myself and when you said louisville were top of the league i was like i, I wanted to actually go to kentucky yeah yeah plans um the lads are saying it was a bit of a kit they're a bit <laughs> they're a bit narrow-minded let's just say but um yeah the, the lads who have never been there as well. <laughs> yeah. um yeah i just had a few questions about like sort of like your experience over there and what um culture was yeah and what what i would say i would ask this question what was what's the nicest place you've ever visited while on tour of football like would you get to explore the cities much or yeah yeah no so we get there probably like 36 hours before the match uh try and have a couple of hours free to explore and play the game and then obviously if you win you go well um don't win you don't go out really so (laughs) no we we actually we played tampa there probably two weeks ago and Tampa, Florida, St. Petersburg was absolutely, it was beautiful. Um, at Penn State, we had a week away in Santa Monica in California. It's another spot that was, was absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, no, we played, played absolutely everywhere. We played in Vegas, played in Dallas, um, DC, New York, played in all these places. And, and it really is amazing that playing football can get you to explore all, uh, all different all different places played in, in Salt Lake, Utah. Um, yeah, so all, all these places you get to explore and, and, and see. So, no, it's amazing. Doing what you love and traveling at the same time. Yeah, it's exactly. a dream. it really is a dream. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. How does it differ to Dublin? Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's no spice bags in in, uh, in Memphis, Aaron, I don't think. It's not Venus either. No, no. I'll tell you what, the... the the buses in Dublin are great. You get the sixteen one up the Kevin's every every three four times a week, um, or the one two one. I remember the one you you one, probably two, feel one. young, but the one two one, the one two one, they right outside yeah. Clash to wear. Yeah, yeah no, that that was that was that was the best bus in in, in Dublin. No, uh, no, nah, nah, no, no, it's just just different culture. Um, and again, like I, I did a lot of growing up over here. Um, but then again, I had lots lots of lots of friends and family that were 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 taking care of me as well. So. Um, no, just enjoying it. So essentially, all you miss is Dublin bus. <laughs> the Dublin bus, yeah. Um, my ma's, ma's cooking on the Dublin bus. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, uh, what's what's your favorite stadium so far? Well, over there, what, what would you say was the nicest stadium you visited? Or uh, the, probably, uh, no, honestly, probably. I can't just name one. I'll, I'll give you three right now. It's uh, probably Providence Park in, in Portland. That's where we played our home games, the second team. And it was Astro, but it was one of them Astros, even if it didn't rain and you, and you, you roll the ball, it will, it, will, it, will, it will spin back. You know, it wasn't really a sticky Astro. Um, and it was brilliant. I think it must have held like 40,000 people, 35,000 people. It was COVID. We didn't have anyone in there. I'm not saying we would have had anyone in there either way, <laughs> but... It was uh, a great stadium, stadium where they, they cut the timber after they scored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, love the Great. Yeah. Um, and then Bree Stevens was 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 brilliant. Um, that was that was Ford Madison. We there was at times where we'd have five six thousand fans, and it just feels like they're on top of you. you know, like the ball would go for a throw in, and they'd be able to touch it. It's, it's that close. Yeah. Um. So you could hear everything, and then obviously AutoZone right now with, with Memphis is also brilliant. It's a baseball pitch transitioned into a football pitch so 70 percent of the, the the grass is brilliant the other 30 percent is a little bit woeful <laughs> but um you, you you take what you can and you know there, there are three great stadiums that i've, that I've played in right lovely um anything else yeah i suppose just with moving to america like i remember years ago when you know david beckham first went to la galaxy and then obviously you know, Robbie Kane was over there, you know, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, the likes of them were all over there. Is that part of the reason why you wanted to go to America? Or I know it's completely different for yourself. Obviously, you're going over to college and you're on a scholarship and you're doing these things. But was there something with the, I suppose, the question I'm trying to ask, was there ever thoughts of going across the pond to England or was it always just America? Obviously, when I, when I was younger, I was, I was a very... Uh... 
like light developer. I think I was in second third year. I was still the smallest person in school. Um, <laughs> but no, like, yeah, no, I took a, a growth sport. I think I was at 17 and I was like, yeah, no, this is something that I can definitely do. I think what pushed me going over to America was I wasn't very great in school. I didn't really enjoy school. It was obviously we learned it all through Gaelic. I found it a bit t- tough. Um, but when I went to the FOSS course and I was getting paid from Drotada, I wasn't getting paid an awful lot of money. I'm like, I don't want to do this for the next 10, 15 years. So I started looking to different avenues and I'm like, I can go to college for free and live in America and play football at a high, a high level. So why can't I do that for the next three, four years? So, yeah, so I'm working on my degree from Penn State and playing football was, was a no-brainer. So wanted to do that. Um, but then again, like, like you said, seeing the likes of David Beckham, um, Stephen Gerrard, Robbie Kane, and all Revolver was definitely like, yeah, I, I, I want to be able to do that at the end of the day when I'm finished when I finish, when I finish with school. Like, yeah, that's one of the questions you had a question. Yeah, well, I actually you. did have a question. You mentioned the likes of Robbie Keane, David Beckham, and uh, Stephen Gerrard there going over to MLS for a few years. Hypothetically, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, now if you were to make that transition to the MLS say, you know, one of the big teams, LA Galaxy, whatever, and someone was to come across the pond, I, an almost retired player, take a... The likes of Cellini. Yeah, the likes of Insignia. Cellini. Yeah, yeah. Who would be the dream player you'd love to come over and play on your team? And I suppose, you as well, to add to that, is there a dream team? Is there a, a particular city you would love to play in and live in, kind of? Yeah. I just mentioned the biggest one, LA Galaxy. But <laughs> so can I pick someone that's retired? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, Anyone. Yeah, yeah. No, so you can keep an eye out on this, actually. So when I was younger, I used to play as a striker. And Robbie Keane was 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 someone that I used to look up to, as well as me dad. He played striker as well. Yeah. But Robbie Keane had this certain celebration that you would know. It's the, it's the handstand, cartwheel throw the, the guns up type of thing yeah. and, I, and my nanny has a video of me and I'm, I've been on to her on a case for weeks she had, she had this video camera she came out to watch me when I was with Stella Maris when I was about eight years old and I scored a goal and I did that celebration and I'm waiting until I get that in me in me hand okay. and then my next goal I score I'm going <laughs> to do the same celebration I'm going to be like 20 years apart or 18 years apart or whatever it is yeah. So I think it would probably have to be Robbie Kane. But yeah, I'd keep an eye out on that. I mean, anyone again, I'm going to hurry up and send that video over because I don't know how many more goals I'm going to get by the end of the year. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I suppose we, we won't keep you for too much longer. Yeah. Um, I suppose one of the questions I said to you earlier, we, we'll kind of take the piss now and have a, a proper question after, but you're on the desert island, right? I'm going to ask everyone this. I'm asking everyone this. I don't care. Yeah. Right? I'm not... You can take one book, uh, one one album, and one film with you, and what would they be, and why? You can take a person with you as well, if if, if it makes it easier. But you have to substitute yeah. with one year. <laughs> <laughs> so you have one book, one album, and one film with you on this imaginary desert island. What 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 are you taking with you? Right, the one album. Day. There you go. The album would probably be uh, The Weekend After Hours, big weekend fan. Wow. Um, and then the book would probably be The Four Agreements that boy Miguel, hold on. Don Miguel Ruiz, I think I've read that twice. And each time just opened me always up. Really, really good book. I think less than 100 pages. It's something that I'd recommend. And then the movie. Uh, I'm about. Probably the, the Departed. Watched that a couple of years ago, and I rewatched it again a couple of weeks ago. Brilliant movie. Yeah, I only watched. Uh, it. I love that. Can yeah, say you're, you're a big movie fan. You yeah. probably know about my little brother. The Rat. The Rat. It's all about the Rat. Okay. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> yeah, great, great actors as well in it. So it makes it makes it makes it better. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then like pick a person. I'd uh, probably just take the the easy one, the scapegoat one. I'd probably just take uh Bear grills, so I can actually survive and <laughs> the whole life. You get off the island. You get off the island. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you were gonna go with the easy one. I'll take my girlfriend with me. Like, no, no. I, I, I want. I want to get off that one. There's only so many times you can read the same book, listen to the same album, watch the same no. movie. 
I'd say he's a bit, a bit of a poser though when the camera goes off his face. Yeah. Well, I'd say when the camera goes off, he gets to the helicopter and goes to the hotel. So <laughs> yeah, if, exactly. if you had that security, you'd be all right. And Aaron, what's the yeah. about if you don't mind me asking? That's why it's been a while since I read it. It's just like um, about these four agreements that you disagree with yourself. And if you, if you follow these four agreements, then your life would be just stress-free. Um, like certain things you could be able to let go. Um, but it's been a while, but it was something that I, I, I was recommended to me by an awful lot of people. And I've recommended to a few people as well. So, so um, like psychology or psychology? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we move on to the last two questions. Right. So, Aaron, what motivates you day to day? Um, probably friends and family. Um, I think they put a lot of effort into to getting me to where I am today with, with football and life. Um, so I think I, I, I owe it to them to give it 100% every single day. Um, so that's probably what, what motivates me. Right. Yeah, I, I think I, I said to you a while ago as well, I think, and said to Kieran for, and it's something that I think a lot of people should do daily is, is practice gratitude. So I suppose the last question before we let you go um, on your on your day off would be, what what's what's one thing you're grateful for? Like what what kind of makes life worth living for you? Yeah, I think it's it's probably very very similar to what motivates me. It's just like friends and family, um, <clears throat> just being super comfortable, be able to pick up the phone at any time, and knowing that a lot of people will will be there for me. Um, to sometimes like here in Memphis, there's a there's a big homeless um, community or something you you would say, and um. Looking at them every day, just being grateful that you've you've got a roof over your head, um, closing your back, food, water, the whole lot. So, um, that's something that I'm 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 very very grateful for. And sometimes a lot of people take for granted, including myself. So, um, taking a step back and and having warm water, drinking water is 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 something that a lot of people don't have access to. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's a nice way to end, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, I think we're about grateful for you coming on today. <laughs> that's one thing we say we're grateful for today. Yeah. Uh, it's a long time coming. I remember chatting about this probably nine months ago, a year ago. So I'm glad it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're always you're always welcome on, and I'm sure this isn't this isn't the force. This is the force of many. Hopefully, yeah. We'll get you on again. Yeah, yeah. We'll next time United beat next time United beat Liverpool, I'll be on. <laughs> thanks million I, I wish you all all the best in the, in the rest of your season and uh hopefully one day we see him the mls and even better again hopefully we'd, we'd love to see over here in the aviva mm. throwing on yeah, a green lads. jersey you know everyone's yeah, a dream so. yeah thanks million man we really appreciate it appreciate your time sound lads too.